Hi, travelers. On today's The Continental Sports Podcast, Bob Nightingale from USA Today gives us an inside view of the World Baseball Classic. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. You can also listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Today is March 10th, 2013, and this is the Continental Sports Podcast. And Justin, it looks like Lamar Jackson is still a Raven for now. For now is right. He might be on the move to another team, uh, potentially in the NFC even, maybe even still the NFC, whatever team offers him the most guaranteed money, it seems like. Yeah, so he got tagged to a non-franchise tag, a, a non-exclusive franchise tag, excuse me, which for those that don't know, basically means that a team can make an offer for uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have five days to match that offer or else the, uh, that team will ultimately get Lamar Jackson as well as two first round picks. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens here. I think the deadline for the Ravens to sign him to an extension for next year would be in July. So we, do have, we definitely have some time for that, but it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. Uh, I'm tired of him being dragged along. Uh, I, I want the Ravens to do something with him. I want them to tag him. All right, I don't want them to tag him. I want, I want them to sign him to a longer, long-term deal. But let me ask you this. Do you agree with the Ravens not signing him for a longer-term deal? Well, it's 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 tough. I mean, you know, when he wants $200 million and guaranteed, I mean, I think that, you know, they're going to make a big mistake here. You know, they have question marks. At the quarterback position, you know, it could be a rebuild for them this this season. And um, I don't I don't see him back in Baltimore. I don't see him back. So you think he leaves this year? I think so, yes. I think there's teams that are quarterback hungry out there to sign him for let's say two hundred million or two hundred thirty million guaranteed. Do do you know any teams in mind that might want to do that that you have in mind? Well, one of them that comes to mind, even though it looks like Aaron Rodgers could go there, if he doesn't go there, would be the Jets or even the Commanders, even if they're not interested in him, it sounds like, even though it sounds like there's teams in the league that are colluding against signing Lamar Jackson to this big guaranteed contract. So I could see the Commanders. I could see the Jets if the Aaron Rodgers thing falls through. But who else would you see uh, signing Lamar Jackson? No, I think Jets are good. I think I, I heard a lot about the Commanders. Uh, me personally, I don't see who else. I mean, the Saints obviously just got Derek Carr. Uh, I, I don't really see any other team. I mean, maybe the Falcons, but I, but again, I I don't even know if they have the cap space to do that. I really have no no idea what's going on as far as their situation. You know, free agency cap space goes and things like that. But um, Lamar Jackson. So interesting though. I, I did some research into his numbers. Um, Compared to his 2019 and 2020 season, so 2019, obviously, he won the MVP. And then those two seasons, 2019 and 2020, uh, 62 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 106 and 6 uh, passing passer rating. And then the last two years, so 2021 and 2022, uh, 33 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, and 89.9 uh, passer rating. 
Uh, only played 24 games the last two seasons out of the possible 34. Or I, 24 games out of the possible 34. Um, you know, has dealt with injuries, dealt with issues with his stomach. Uh, even, you know, we missed some, missed some games because of that. We No one really knows what's going on there. Um, yeah, so I, me personally, I don't blame Baltimore for not signing him to a long-term deal. I mean, he is, like I said, as far as he was just the amount of games played it a year, he is a little bit on the downcline, and his numbers are on the downcline as well. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I still think he's an elite quarterback. I think if he stays healthy and joins the right system, I think that he could definitely have another another MVP season. But but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in the next, uh, you know, over this offseason. Well, yeah, I mean, you said the hesitancy of Baltimore signing him to a long-term deal. You know, he's missed time for injuries and stomach bug. And, you know, I mean, he missed the playoffs last year against the Bengals. Right. Yeah. So, which obviously they could have used them for. Mm-hmm. But let, let's let's switch gears now to the uh, NFC. Uh, Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million. Uh, 82 million guaranteed. Uh, interesting. What do you think about this? What do you think about this one, Justin? I think the Giants definitely made the right decision. You know, I think that there's still there's still a lot of holes on that team to improve, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver. You know, I mean, Jones. You know, he threw to Richie James last year and Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. But I, I think they can use another receiver to, uh, to really, uh, to really bolster their team and you know bolster their offense. And they got some, they got some free agents. Uh, they need to resign as well. But what changed since last year? Do you think Giants declined his fifth year option last year, uh, but now sign him to. You know, like I said, four years, one sixty million, hundred and two, or excuse me, eighty-two guaranteed million. Uh, so, what do you, what do you think changed for the Giants? I mean, was it just their success this year that they had, and a lot of that you could even contribute to Deep D- uh, Dable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think it's Brian Dable, and you know, I think this new system was was great for him. I think it resurrected his career, and you know, he can really be. Uh, you know, he can he can be a good quarterback. You know, I would say an above ad- average quarterback. You know, I wouldn't say he's elite just yet, but I think they got to surround him with with some talent. You know, even the offensive line has got to improve as well over in New York. Takes care of the ball extremely well. Uh, last, last season had the second lowest turnover rate behind Jalen Hurts. Uh, threw, threw an interception on less than 1% of his passes. Only fumbled six times. Uh, so takes care of the ball extremely well. That's something we can definitely say about Daniel Jones. His passing is suspect, though. Um, he doesn't really throw deep balls. Again, a lot of that could be due to the wide receiver core that he has. Uh, average pass distance this year was only six yards. Uh, he's twelve. He had 12th QB in the league and non-run or scramble plays. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, if they do get a little bit more wide receiver help, but definitely use the tight end a lot in a lot of uh, shortcut 
throws uh, across the middle and not really, uh, like I said, a lot, a lot of deep balls last year. Um, what do you think happens with Barkley after after this deal? I, I mean, we know that he, they just, um, they signed Barkley to a non-exclusive franchise tag. Uh, same thing as Lamar Jackson. So do you think he stays uh, Barkley or do you think someone comes after Barkley now, given, uh, you know, they might not be able to afford him long term? I think the Giants did make a smart move by giving Barkley the non-exclusive franchise tag. You know, even if somebody does come after Barkley, the Giants will get two first-round picks, as we said with the Ravens, with Lamar Jackson. But I think Barkley will come back to the Giants. I don't know how much, but maybe it's going to be a shorter-term deal. But I, I, would, I can see Saquon back with the Giants. Well, he's frustrated right now. I think the GM just yesterday came out saying that he's frustrated. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he wanted a deal. I think he wanted the deal over Jones. I mean, I think in an ideal scenario, they both get the deal. But I think him seeing Jones get the deal and then not him made him definitely frustrated. And he knows long term that with Daniel Jones making all this money now in the cap space that's limited in the NFL, that he's going to have a hard time getting the money that he wants next year. So I can definitely see the frustration that Barkley has, and it'll be interesting to see if another team comes after him, and especially um, if they're able to sign Barkley any long-term deal once that July deadline ha happens. Yeah, it is going to be harder to pay Barkley. You know, with the Jones contract, I think it was the right decision to resign him, you know, Obviously, as we said, he's he's best in Brian Dable's system. But was it too much money? That's the question. You know, mm -hmm. four years and $160 million was the contract. So maybe a little bit downwards. But he wanted $45 million, but he got $35 million a year. Ask high, you know, get low. <laughs> That's yeah. you know, he just negotiations that we always do. You wanna you wanna ask high and then hopefully you land somewhere lower, uh, where everyone's happy. But it, it is funny though, I almost expected the opposite to happen, right? So we have mm -hmm. Daniel Jones uh that got the con contract and Lamar Jackson that got the tag, the franchise tag. It almost People were, it, it's almost it is expected that the opposite was going to happen, that Lamar Jackson was going to get the contract and that Daniel Jones was going to be the one that would, got signed with the tag. And it's just interesting how it was kind of the, I mean, not kind of, it was the opposite that happened. Lamar Jackson ultimately got tagged and then Daniel Jones was the one who ended up with the contract long term. So, but uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then anything you want to mention on Derek Carr? I mean, Derek Carr just went to the Saints. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I don't really know what the ceiling is for them, to be completely honest. I don't really see what's going to happen. I don't know the Saints' fate. I mean, the Saints has good offensive weapons, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, Derek Carr can really do anything this year and help them get further to where they went last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what Derek Carr can do down in New Orleans, you know. You know, he was going to, you know, the Jets were interested. Carolina was also interested. Uh, you know, Carr, I think he's, you know, he's an above average quarterback as well. You know, he's obviously got more offensive weapons down in New Orleans. And the Raiders, I think the Raiders did him a little dirty by, you know, not surrounding him. I mean, I know they got Devontae Adams over there, but they could have, they, they really could have could have done better with, with Carr, you know, mm -hmm. with the coaching staff, with the right system, I I think they the Raiders 
basically basically screwed him on this one. Yeah, and you you talk about Lamar Jackson where he might go. I mean, that, that's another team that the Raiders. Or that's another team. The Raiders they might actually be a team that could come after him too. And now they need somebody pretty badly after Derek Carr decided to leave and not not return. So it'll be like I said, interesting to see. Um, Erica Herman, uh, golf news now filing a uh, not basically arguing against a non disclosure agreement against Tiger Woods. Changing gears here a little bit to. Um, to to golf here. Um, we all know Woods' history with uh with women, and in the past, just all the stories that have come out with him, and just how he he is, and how, you know his, his interactions with women. But it's interesting that this is the first time I ever heard someone, an ex girlfriend of his, come out and argue against a non disclosure agreement. Well, yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, usually. Usually it's it's marriages, but you know I, I guess in this term it's uh, outside of the the married you know married life. But you know it's he's he's had some scandals. You know as as great as a golfer that he is, as great as a, an athlete that he is. Um, you know there's definitely some you know skeletons in the closet there with Tiger. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, that this does end up coming to fruition for uh like i said erica herman is her name and she does get this non-disclosure agreement canceled uh i think a lot of people would be interested to hear what she might have to say uh you know tiger skeletons coming out of the closet so to speak uh so it'll be interesting to see uh what happens here but she's the lawyer her lawyer in the in the case is arguing the uh speak out act is what it's called and basically what the speak out act does is it prevents enforcement of non-disclosure agreements in terms of sexual assault or misconduct. Uh, so we still have a lot, of, a lot of time to go, but I thought it was interesting because this is actually the second time that Erica Herman has sued Tiger Woods. She sued also back in October. Um, I guess uh, Tiger Woods wanted her out of the house. I, I know Tiger Woods and Erica had a agreement in place where she could live at the house and i guess tiger woods no longer wanted this agreement and wanted her out of the house and so he actually told her that they were going on vacation and when she arrived at the airport uh the agents of tiger woods came to her and said that she no longer had a key to the place and was locked out so <laughs> uh she lost that she lost that agreement uh but uh, apparently even before this lawsuit recently came out. Uh, they had they had some issues in the past, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And it's something to keep an eye out for because I think a lot of people would would be very interested in reading about Tiger Woods' skeletons in the closet, just being just like again his history, the scandals he's had. The you know we know the scandals he's had with women, so it'll just be interesting to see if what comes out of that, if anything really does does come out of that. Yeah, we'll see. NBA power rankings. Uh, now that we got roughly, I think every team has about fifteen to twenty games left. Probably closer to that fifteen mark uh, before the playoffs start. Uh, Bucks number one. According to again, we're going off of ESPN's power rankings here. Uh, I'm not surprised at all by the Bucks being number one. I think they should be number one, uh, even above Denver. Uh, they just came off of a 16-game win streak, which I think was the highest in the league up until that point. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Middleton's back for the Bucks, uh, so they definitely um, should be number one. 
what what surprised anything that was a surprise to you though particularly about these these power rankings well the new york knicks at number three i mean that doesn't surprise me you know that they're that they're pretty high you know they're higher than boston who they just beat and they're higher than the philadelphia 76ers who i believe are the third seed or almost close to the second seed in the eastern conference right now so you know i think the knicks have definitely you know they're an interesting team they got young players you know they got veteran players too but you know they got a core of of, of young guys and they're and they're ready to uh and they're hungry to win you know they got an intro they got a coach in tom thibodeau who has a track record in the nba of of success and you know i'm not shocked that they're pretty high in the power rankings but over boston and over philadelphia even which james harden as uh as we saw you know he looks like james harden back in houston you know back from mm-hmm. five ten years ago you know he looks like you know his old self with philadelphia and they're they've won four out of their last five on the road um yeah hard road too a hard road yes. uh, schedule beat the so box six- as well they snapped their 16 mm-hmm. game winning streak in milwaukee uh-huh yeah which is obviously going to be so let's talk about that that's obviously going to be pretty big implications for the playoffs because a lot of people would think that there's a chance that bucks and the sixers play each other maybe in that semifinals in the east uh i think that's actually how things would probably be probably be right now if the playoffs did start and both teams advanced to that point i think the sixers and the bucks would play each other in the semifinals um but that's um they're number four, and I think that's very appropriate for a uh, regular season uh, record, like the regular season record and how they're doing in the regular season. But Sixers have struggled in the playoffs. So I don't know. I think if you were to consider the postseason and the postseason expectation of the Sixers, I don't know if four would definitely be mm-hmm. appropriate for the Sixers. Like I said, but well, like you said, I think the Knicks could definitely be a team that could be number four instead. The Suns right now are number six. They could definitely go up uh, into that four spot over the Sixers, especially, you know, after obviously acquiring Kevin Durant. Who, by the, the way, of- has a uh, has an ankle injury last night in warmups. I don't know if you saw that, but... Kevin Durant. Yeah, Durant. It looks like he's going to be out for the next few weeks, maybe possibly even the regular season. Interesting. So that's gonna that's definitely going to, uh, you know, they need all that gameplay. They need that game time uh, before the playoffs start to develop that chemistry. So that'll be interesting to see. And and I know Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, they were all um, they were all playing very well together. Uh, Devin Booker, they Mm -hmm. were all meshing really well. I saw a lot of highlights. Watched some of the games. They seem to have a really good flow on the court, but now that flow is going to be disrupted uh, with Kevin Durant out. And it'll be interesting to see once playoffs start, if they're able just to start from the beginning again virtually and uh, establish that identity and establish that connection that they had before Kevin Durant uh, injured his ankle. That's such a that's such an uh, unfortunate time to hurt your ankle is in warm-ups, not even in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just it's just it's it's almost analogous to almost breaking your or, or not breaking but hurting your ankle in, in like an all-star game right just something that means nothing something that's so benign uh wasn't even playing in a game and now he's going to be out for two weeks so that's really unfortunate uh especially because this is chris paul's 
I mean, if, if Chris Paul doesn't do it this year, it'd be argued that he might never do it. And so, um, you know, I think this if if Chris Paul is going to get it done with, especially with Kevin Durant there, he's going to need him healthy. Going to need to establish that identity and that uh, flow together uh, early and often uh, going into this playoffs here. Um, but but again, so I know I, I want to talk about the Cavs being number five. Um, I think that's a good place for the Cavs. I know a lot of people, especially considering just the Cavs' recent history, a lot of people might consider the Cavs being number five too high. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell, uh, he's currently averaging more points per game than LeBron James did over his career in Cleveland at 27.5, a little above 27.5. Uh, I think uh, Cleveland's playing really, really good games right now. Um I think, like I said, speaking of the Suns, I think their connection and their flow on the court is really good, and they've been really impressing me lately. Well, yeah, I think that with Darius Garland as well in Cleveland, you know, they're they're really uh, they're really impressive team. You know, they won their last seven games. Um, you know, I I don't think it's that high. You know, as you said, to be at number five. You know, certainly they're the teams in front of them. You know have have a better track record but you know they they definitely are in the right spot in the in the power rankings we talked about the past being an influencer to these power rankings how about the golden state warriors at number 10 uh we had danny emmerman on last episode last week and he talked about how the warriors were basically struggling all year one of the worst road teams in the league uh their defense is a mess right now and yet they're still number 10 in the league uh, according to these power rankings for ESPN. And I thought that was too high. Uh, I, I I know Stephen Curry is still is back now, but I think they have a long way to go. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run in the playoffs, and certainly no team wants to play them in the playoffs. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that was a little interesting, uh, Warriors being 10. Yeah, well, the Western Conference, you know, plays a role into that. It's It's wide open. You know, compared to the East, you have Boston, you have Milwaukee, even potentially Philadelphia, New York, and Cleveland. Um, but in the West, there's nobody really running away with it outside of the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, it's it's, it's true. And Denver Nuggets, uh, obviously number two now in these power rankings. Uh, they all, I mean, by next week could even probably secure that uh, number one spot in the playoffs. I mean, not officially, officially, but almost officially, just with how they're playing and the amount of games they have up above the the. Uh, I guess I think the second place team is Memphis right now. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be interested to to see what happens. Um, this happens with them. Uh, speaking of Memphis, um, I can see them dropping out of the top ten in the next week or two. Uh, John Morant obviously has a lot of drama that's going to be affecting the locker room. Uh, he's I think coming back sometime next week from his suspension. Uh, like I said, just all the issues and what he's the media attention that he's bringing to the team definitely is going to have an effect in the locker room. Um, Brandon Clark uh, to an Achilles injury, I think is huge. He's a power forward coming off the bench uh, play played in Gonzaga, really good player, uh, arguably helped them advance to the help them advance in the playoffs last year uh, and without him they might not have uh won in the first round but yeah I think uh him losing Brandon Clark is huge uh 
John Morant not being that glue anymore uh, for these next couple of games, and then especially we'll see what happens when he comes back. But um, yeah, I, I could see them being dropping a little bit in the power rankings here. Yeah, I could too. Minnesota, uh, number twelve. Um, I I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Minnesota at number twelve. Uh, I mean, Embiid basically humiliated Rudy Gobert the other night. Uh, Anthony Towns is still not back. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, they're still not a bad team, but definitely not a top 10 team. Um, the Mavs, I don't really know what to make about right now. Uh, three and five when both Kyrie and Luka are on the court, which I think is a little weird. You, you would expect them to be a little bit better. Um, I think if they Luka and Kyrie get their rhythm together and start you know, learning how to share the ball a little bit better, they can easily be a top 10 team. Um but what do you um? Let me ask you about what you think of the Brooklyn Nets and what you make of the Brooklyn Nets in their ranking. Um, you know, I think that they're they have a fair ranking. You know, they lost their both both of their big stars, uh, in Kyrie and KD, and you know, obviously there's some drama there with, uh, with Ben Simmons. You know, uh, the coach is not going to play him, uh, obviously, and uh, I I think Brooklyn definitely. They're at a fair power ranking. I mean, they're not the, you know, the best team in the East. Obviously, I mean, there's much better teams than, than the Brooklyn Nets. So I think the power rankings are are pretty fair, in my opinion. Number thirteen right now, uh, Brooklyn. It's be and it's become uh, Mikel Bridges' team. I know you mentioned Ben Simmons, but uh, really, uh, Bridges has really been the one that take, took the torch ever since the team pretty much broke up this year, let's be honest, with Kyrie and Kevin Durant uh, splitting. Uh, Bridges is currently averaging 30.7 points a game. Or not, yeah, over the next four games, excuse me, averaging 30.7 points a game uh, in the month of March here. Uh, Helped the Nets get the three straight wins, uh, including beating Boston uh, on uh, this last Friday. So they're definitely on the upkeep. Uh, I think they're not going to make any splash in the playoffs but you know i i love bridges uh mm-hmm. coming into the player that he is and pretty much taking over that team after the, the dismantlement they had uh this year um i still think clippers are a top 10 team in the league um based uh, you know regardless of what others say espn says or other analysis say um the last team i wanted to talk about were the new england pelicans um they're currently at number 20, according to these ESPN power rankings. I think that's a little little high or a little low, depending on how you want to look at it. I definitely think they should be higher than 20. Uh, had a really impressive playoff run last year. Uh, they have the second easiest schedule in the Western Conference for the rest of the year. Uh, 10 of their last 17 games are at home. And I mean, if they can go, you know, if they can win 11 or 12 of these 17 games, I, I mean, I would expect them to be at least close to the top 10 and uh, easily, you know, on their way to the playoffs and, and a pretty, pretty uh, nice playoff ranking. Yeah. Well, their previous ranking last week was number 19th and uh, you know, they're, they're a team that can get into the playoffs, you know, obviously Zion Williamson, you know, they got a, they got a good group down there of, of guys. And, and I, I think they're, they're, you know, on the up and coming. I mean, they're not a bad team. 
Any other team that I didn't mention that you 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 just want to make a comment on about these power rankings? Uh, really, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they had a coaching change just recently with um, with Quinn Snyder taking over. Uh, you know, and Trey Young, Dominic Wilkins, and Denaj Murray. You know, all chipping in, and they're at number sixteen on the power rankings. So I think that I think they could be. I I think they they have a fair ranking, maybe you know yeah. in the mid tens range, mid ten to twenty range. Yeah, I I think Atlanta they've been perpetually just in that middle zone for uh, many many years now. I mean, not the mm -hmm. worst team in the league, but definitely not the best team in the league. Uh, it's a shame because Trey Young's probably one of my favorite players in the whole league um i mean i think what just last week he became the first player to have consecutive 40 point games against portland um mm -hmm. so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see i mean he he's a high scorer uh i think if he was in another team uh he'd have a lot more notoriety and even be better than he is now if that's even possible so it's just a shame to see talent kind of be stuck in a in a franchise that's in that purgatory zone. Like I said, not the greatest, not the worst, but we'll see what happens with the with the Hawks this year. Like I said, I they need to do something right because just the Sixers showed back you know with the process days that it's NBA is one of those leagues where you either got to go all in or you got to go all out. Or in, if the Hawks seen for the last four or five years now at least, if not more, where they've just been kind of hanging out in that purgatory purgatory zone where. They haven't really made moves to go for it, but they, they're not selling out either. And so if they keep doing that, they're just, I think they're just going to keep finding themselves in that middle ground uh, and to, to the woe and dismay of uh, the Atlanta fans there. Mm -hmm. The World Baseball Classic is officially underway. Uh, just started this week. Uh, today's episode, we're, we're having on Bob Nightingale, uh, an Arizona writer, uh, but uh, from Arizona, but writes for uh, USA Today, uh, talking about more about the uh, World Baseball Classic here. But um, let, let's just talk a little bit about ourselves first before we bring on Bob here. Uh, first time since 2017, uh, supposed to be every four years, but it was every six. Uh, it happened uh, six years later. Six mm -hmm. years, thank you, ago, because of COVID, and then we all know the, the lockout. Mm -hmm. The last season lockout, all the all the contract negotiations. Um, a lot of the same players in the the pool this year. Um, three newcomers though to the to the pools with uh, Great Britain, uh, the Czech Republic, and Nicaragua. So that's pretty cool. Uh, they never made it to the World Baseball Classic the last five times it happened. So I think that's pretty cool. It's always nice uh, bringing in a new team to to the mix. Uh, We'll talk about Bob. I mean, Bob more about the the role changes. Uh, MLB obviously had a bunch of role changes come out this year, but the World Baseball Classic will not uh, have any of those rules. So there won't be any pitch clock. You know, there won't uh, shifting in the infield won't be illegal. Bases will be uh, the same size they were last year for the MLB and all that stuff. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into the polls. Uh, so there's four polls, poll A through uh, A through D, um, and arguably the the ease, uh, the weakest, excuse me, the weakest of the four polls is poll A, which is where we'll start at. Uh, Netherlands is probably the best poll in the team A. 
definitely will be the team that goes on in pool A. Uh, I'm not really sure what the other team will be, most likely Cuba, but pool A, uh, for those watching at home and having an interest to, to watch and tune in to channels of Fox and FS1, uh, Sandra Bogarts, uh, Didi Gregorius, uh, they, they represent team on the Netherlands there. And like I said, easily the best team in pool A. Um, so, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens there and what team ultimately ends up moving on with the Netherlands in pool A. Well, definitely. It looks like a, a good, um, it looks like pool A is definitely has a lot of talent in this Cuba versus the Netherlands, Netherlands game. Cuba definitely has a good bullpen, uh, and like I said, the other the other teams in the poll, uh, I believe it's Great Britain. Uh, let me check here. Italy, Italy, yeah. So it's Italy, Cuba, uh, Netherlands, Panama, and Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan, Panama, and Italy. Um, I mean, I think Italy has turned a little bit of heads and had a little bit of excitement, but I still don't think they're going to be the team that comes out with the Netherlands. Uh, it's most likely going to be Netherlands. Uh, with their good offense there and then Cuba with their with their pretty good bullpen. So that's something to look out for. Uh pool B, uh home field advantage for Japan. Japan is in pool B with Aust- Australia, China, uh South Korea, and the Czech Republic. Uh biggest news there again is that home field advantage for Japan and uh Shohei Atani joining the team for Japan. Um pretty boring pool overall. Uh, Japan and South Korea, I think, are pretty much the betting favorites by a long shot to, to advance out of Pool B. Uh, the other teams, I don't think, have a whole lot of uh, notice on them uh, to really come out and, and compete in this uh, in the World Baseball Classic this year. Well, yeah, Japan looks like the one of the best teams, obviously, in this pool, and one of the best teams in this. World Baseball Classic, as you just said, Shohei Otani, uh, the addition of him, and you know we'll see we'll see how they fare up against South Korea and Australia, and um, yeah, their first matchup against China. Another home field team is uh, USA, playing in uh, playing in Pool C, along with uh, Canada, Colombia, uh, Mexico, and Great Britain, uh, Arizona. So they're playing in Arizona. Uh, arguably Mexico, uh, very close to home as well. Uh, they could, you know, we know that a lot of Mexican fans turn out for the World Baseball Classic they have every year, as Bob will speak on more as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's Mexico and uh, USA's pool to come out of. Uh, potentially the Czech Republic, but I, I don't think uh, Canada or Colombia really have much of a chance. It's really... Uh, United States and their explosive offense, and then uh, Mexico's just elite pitching that I think are going to be the ones that are going to come out of Pool C. Uh, then the last pool we have is Pool D, obviously. That makes sense. Uh, it's played in Miami, Florida. We got the Dominican Republic, Israel, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. Um, Dominican Republic, I think, is the absolute betting favorite to win the whole thing, not just Pool D. Uh, they have such an explosive offense. Uh, they have Sandy Alcantara, Christian Javier uh, as pitchers, and then for batters, they have uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, uh, Julio Rodriguez. Um, I mean, they just have a lot of names that come out of the Dominican Republic, and 
um, I think they're, they're they're one of the front runners to take it away this year. I think so, definitely. Has they have a big baseball program down there, and you know it's gonna and obviously it's pretty close to Miami as well, and you know you're gonna get a lot of fans of them, and I think that um, I think they look like the best team out of this out of this pool. And then you got Venezuela in that pool as well. Uh, again, the other team that I think people are gonna expect to move on with Dominican Republic in Pool D. Uh, Miguel Cabrera uh, and Jose Altuve are in that Venezuela powerhouse. So there are two there are two names to look out for if you're following along. Like I said, as a casual fan, and you're wondering who's on what team. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. And you know the the format then after this uh round robin uh match or the round robin pool play that we have it goes into a single elimination uh game and then with semifinals and quarterfinals and then ultimately the final that will take place on march 21st i believe in miami so that, that's something to look out for uh like i said um catch it on the channels of uh, fox sports and uh fs1 all right. So now before Bob, Bob Nightingale, who, Justin, is your long haul of the week? Well, the long haul is Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to go to the Jets? Is he not going to go to the Jets? Is he going to go back to Green Bay even? What team is he going to go to? Is he going to retire? Just a lot of a lot of baggage this offseason so far with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, and I know I'm going to talk about my long haul of the week is uh, Lamar Jackson. I know we talked about them, talked about him earlier, but uh, I feel like we need to talk more about just Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers uh, this offseason. Uh, I know not a lot that's going on right now. We're kind of in between NFL and the playoffs for baseball, or excuse me, the playoffs for basketball and hockey, but uh, I'm sick of hearing about Lamar Jackson, where he might go. Uh, you know, obviously, all the talk was before the deal. Will will he get the deal? We obviously know he got tagged now, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sick of hearing about Lamar Jackson and just uh, yeah, I mean, just just in general when off season trade news, not trade news, but just signings and free agencies. I I it's I always get annoyed when the stories are just dragged on a little bit mm -hmm. too long. Uh, but that's just off season for you, and I think. Uh, sports media like ourselves and you know, especially the big names like ESPN and all those they're just trying to take whatever they can get and drag on whatever stories they can get in order to keep the people entertained until ultimately September rolls around or at least March Madness comes in a couple of weeks which is going to help a lot obviously mm -hmm. uh, speaking of which uh, next week we uh, will have Brian Trable on from the Houston area a uh, big cover big cover of March Madness. We'll be going to uh, many of the events, semifinals, as well as the Final Four and Championship for the for the March Madness. So he'll be on. We'll have a really good discussion with him, uh, breaking down March Madness and giving us a really good preview into March Madness. Uh, but, but before then, let's bring on Bob Nightingale and talk more about the uh, World Baseball Classic. Okay, we now welcome on Bob Nightingale, uh, USA Today baseball columnist. Uh, the World Baseball Classic set to start March 8th on uh, the networks of Fox, like so Fox and FS1. Um, 
why why should people be interested in the World Baseball Classic? Right now, it's kind of heavy on uh, ba- uh, basketball and hockey as we get into March Madness and uh, the last stretches of uh, NBA and NHL. Uh, go underway here. So, g- give us why one of the biggest reasons we should be we should, we should be watching the World Baseball Classic coming up this week. Well, you're going to see all the star players. You know, most of all the stars are all playing in it for the different countries, whether it's a USA, Dominican, you know, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, uh, you know, Japan, obviously. But yeah, it's almost like baseball's version of, of the World Cup. Uh, guys, get into it. I mean. In this country, it's not that big. I don't think people can say who was on that World Baseball Classic team that won in uh, 2017. But for the other countries, like Japan particularly, and Dominican Republic, it's like, you know, life or death. I mean, it's a huge thing. I mean, it's much bigger uh, than, than the Olympics to those countries. Who stands yeah. out to you on the in the World Baseball Classic out of all the players and, and the stars and the teams, obviously? Well, uh, certainly, you know, Shohei Otani's playing for Japan. Uh, you know, baseball people tell you they have the best pitching uh, rotation in the, the WBC history. Uh, so he jumps out, obviously. You got Mike Trout playing for the first time uh, in, in the World Baseball Classic. You know, the, the two returning guys from St. Louis, Paul Goldschmidt and er, uh, Arenado, uh, are playing as well with the Adam Wainwright, who's never done one. So then the Dominican Republic is just loaded, you know, with Manny Machado and, and Soto and on and on. You know, they have a who's who of a, a, a lineup there. Yeah, let's talk about more the smaller uh, countries. Well, not really smaller, but lesser known baseball countries. I would only imagine that's a really big deal for those countries because the more notoriety they get and the better they do in the World Baseball Classic, the more funding that country might get going forward for their baseball programs. Is that correct? Yeah, I make more awareness for sure. I remember when Canada beat U.S., uh, I think it was in 2013, uh, they, they went crazy there, you know, just celebrating just the one victory. Colombia almost made it to the, uh, the semifinals and finals uh, in 2017. So, yeah, it just puts it more on the map. Obviously, uh, Israel is trying to get more uh, players involved uh, there. And you got, you know, you know, Colombia doesn't have that many. But, yeah, for the smaller countries, it's more of an awareness thing. And, hey, maybe get, you know, get lucky and get the big upset over a, a U.S. team or a, a Dominican Republic or Puerto Rican team. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you, you bring up the, the, you know, the smaller countries that don't really have a lot of notoriety in baseball. I know Italy has a lot of uh, interest this year. They have a lot of top heavy players. I know they don't really play particularly well in the World Baseball Classic in, in the past in history. But are they a team that we should be watching out for uh, this year? You know, probably not. I mean, it's a fun team. They've, uh, you know, Mike Piazza's the uh, manager once again. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, uh, if they win one game, it's a huge thing. You know, they're trying to grow the sport in Italy as well, you know, where obviously it's been all, uh, all soccer, all basketball. Where do you think baseball needs the most growth? Which country do you think? I'm not sure there's one particularly, you know, one particular country, uh, but somewhere, you know, Somewhere, somewhere in Europe, it doesn't matter, you know, where it is, it, you know, if it's Italy, whether it's France, whether it's Poland, but just, you know, there's enough people living over there. Obviously, it, it's huge in, uh, in Asia. I mean, Japan, it's, you know, baseball is it, much bigger in uh, Japan than it is here in the United States. 
So, but yeah, in, in the European countries for sure. Do you think Japan wins it this year? I know that they're, I think they're the betting favorites right now as it is. And I know a lot of people would expect them to at least make the finals. Who do you have making the finals this year? Is it Japan? Yeah, I'll go with Japan. I know a lot of people picking the United States and uh, Dominicans supposed to have the best, uh, you know, lineup or who's who lineup uh, of offensive players. But Japan, just the way they, you know, take it so seriously, play the small ball, do everything possible to win. And, uh, you know, Newspar from uh, St. Louis Cardinals is playing uh, over there. So, you know, they're the uh, one American on that team. And it sounds like he's had the time of his life so far. Yeah, definitely. And so uh, America, USA, and Pole C, along with USA, Mexico, Canada, Colombia, and Great Britain, um, definitely expect USA to make it out of the pool. See, um, you know, I don't think they'll have any problems there. Who do you see playing in the semifinals from pool D? Who do you think makes it out of the pool D that ultimately uh, USA will end up seeing? Uh, I would think a, uh, the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico will make it. You know, Venezuela is still very good too, <clears throat> but I would think those two make it. In uh, I would think in uh, in the United States bracket, you know, set up for them to you know win it. Uh, probably Mexico would have the best, next best chance. Yeah, and who um, going off that? Who would be your like underdog in this in this race? Who who would be your uh, dark horse in this in this whole tournament? That you know isn't 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 a huge betting favorite right now. Not not a lot of people are expecting to go very far. But is there a particular team like a Venezuela or an Italy or maybe even Mexico that you could see actually making a run? I can see Mexico with their pitching. Yeah, they got some uh, really good pitching there, led by uh, Julio Urias from uh, the Dodgers. So I think if there's going to be one sleeper, you know, that could be the team. Yeah, definitely. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Mexico made at least the semifinals last year. Is that correct? If I, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't that, think but... they, no, they didn't go that far. It, you know, yeah. remember it was in 17, but I know it was a you know U.S. Uh, Dominican team, uh, and I'm trying to think of the uh, uh, the two others that were with them. Uh, but yeah, it's at, uh, it might have been Puerto Rico too. Yeah, U.S., Dominican, Puerto Rico. I forget the fourth. I don't think it was Mexico though. I don't. But it's funny. It's like you know, Mexico plays uh, United States, and uh, maybe it's Sunday night in uh, you know in Phoenix, large Hispanic population. So that game's been sold out for quite a while. Yeah, USA uh, playing on their home turf, uh, so to speak, in Arizona and Miami. Uh, so that's definitely something to keep a lookout for. I know in tournaments like this, that doesn't really matter so much. Uh, I think the Chinese are also a little bit home, uh, playing in Korea there and in Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan, I mean, excuse me. But like I said, that, that doesn't really make much of a difference in tournaments like this. Um, what What is the pool that you're most excited to really keep an eye on and really report the, uh, this World Baseball Classic? Well, the most fun is when it goes to Miami. Uh, you, know, you know, when you go in Miami, United States is a uh, uh, an underdog. They're, they're not the crowd favorite. It's Dominican Republic. It's Puerto Rico. It's Venezuela, just with a huge Latin influence. When U.S. played uh, Dominican Republic in 2017, Nelson Cruz hit the game-winning home run. That place went nuts. That was as good as atmosphere as I've seen, uh, you know, right there with some, you know, World Series games. So, yeah, I, I'll be more excited when it all goes to uh, Miami, particularly with the uh, 
you know, a Dominican Republic U.S. rematch should be a blast. So last last time it was played, 2017, uh, should, should be every four years, just like the World Cup and uh, uh, Olympics. But uh, COVID and, you know, bargaining agreements obviously had to delay that to 2023 here. Uh, last time it was 16 teams uh, overall in the World Baseball Classic, and now it's 20. Um, not going to do my math there, but that's a that's a certain percentage for sure increase. And in, that's just speak to the popularity in baseball uh, growing worldwide. Yeah, just trying to get more uh, teams, more countries involved. If they can build a team, if they can build a competitive team, uh, they're in. You know, I know uh, Brazil uh, tried to qualify, did not. Um, so you know, there's a bunch that you know lost out in the qualifying rounds. But yeah, the more countries, the better. And uh, like I said, just spread the popularity. And this is the first time it's been on a uh, a national TV network. You know, before it was either on uh, you know pretty much the MLB network. I'm not sure if ESPN's ever done it. Uh, but yeah, it, it shows the growth of the tournament, how popular it's become. Yeah. Do um do base do, does this get hard time finding viewership, especially for American fans? Uh, do do you do you see people having a hard time tuning in for the World Baseball Classic in America, or are they more focused? Do you think on you know, like I said, baseball and hockey going on right now? Given that in America, baseball is in training camp right now, and the season for the MLB hasn't even started yet. Well, I think just to get used to the idea that hey, it's going to be some games of primetime TV as uh, you know, nine o'clock starts uh, in in the East Coast, and uh, and I think a. Uh, you know, then even some 10 o'clock starts. But yeah, just to get people involved, like, hey, this is better than the spring training game. This is all the stars. You're not seeing minor leaguers come in the fifth and sixth inning. You know, you're seeing superstars, MVPs, all-stars, and what have you. So I just think, you know, once they catch on, you know, like they did in 2017, they'll tune in just because it's, you know, like a like an all-star game kind of. Sure. And how, how does this work with training camp? I mean, a lot of players in MLB obviously have to take time off from training camp to play in this. And what are the coaches' thoughts on this? What are the training camp? Uh, what are the training staff's thoughts on this? I know it's not unique to baseball. Obviously, like soccer, will do this all the time with their in uh, in season tournaments, and you know, all you know, ML, NHL, ML, uh, NHL. NBA, even the uh, NBA. Yeah, they all have like all star breaks and the tournaments and things like that. But, you know, just for injury wise and getting, you know, bad habits, what, what are the coaching and like training staff's viewpoints on on players taking time off from training camp to go play in this? Well, they get very nervous, particularly the uh, managers and general managers of guys getting hurt. Uh, Drew Smiley pitched lights out in Miami for the Seattle Mariners in 2017. <clears throat> went back to Mayor's camp and had a strained forearm and missed the rest of the season. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. So you're not going to have the same, you know, training staff there. You don't have, uh, you know, people monitoring it. You know, it's a little bit, you know, it, it's a fun tournament, but you're not, you know, working out every day with your team. So really all Army is doing, managers and GMs are kind of rooting for their players to come back healthy. Uh, that's it. I think if you did a lie detector test, most of those uh, GMs would be rooting against those guys to lose. So they come back to spring training camp early and uh, and be there. So, you know, when guys get injured, when, you know, Vladimir Guerrero had a little bit of a knee issue, you know, Toronto Blue Jays said, hey, you're not going. Uh, anybody that had an injury last year, uh, teams can say, you know, you're not going. Uh, we have the right to stop you. 
is there any type of prize associated with the World Baseball Classic? Except, except like I said earlier in the interview, like notoriety for the country and, the, you know, their baseball programs. Is there any, like, particular prize that a country gets or even the players on the team get for winning the World Baseball Classic? There's a gold medals involved and there's some money. I, I want to say it's less than 100000 but, you know, I think just by participating, I think it's about 50000 a player. So, you know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, more just pride. Uh, obviously, the baseball players aren't playing in the Olympics. Uh, you know, the Major League Baseball season is going on. You can't play in the Olympics. So, to them, this is the next best thing. Yeah, so it's really more for uh, just national pride at that point that these players want to play in. And I think that makes it even more enjoyable. A um, little bit of a role differences in the World Baseball Classic than what we're used to. For one, there's a mercy role, which I thought was kind of interesting. This just kind of shows you the difference in talent between some of the teams in, in the polls. Um, there's no, um, there's a pitch limit. So pitchers are only allowed to pitch certain pitches. I don't actually know what that number is offhand, but I thought the mercy role was interesting. Um, it kind of defeats any chances of a comeback um, or anything like that. I think, I think what it is, is it's, uh, the game is over if a team is up 10 runs after seven innings or 15 runs after five, uh, which obviously the chances of coming back with that much of a lead are, are slim. But does that does that deter any fans from turning in that that mercy rule? Because most of the times people don't don't really like a mercy rule like that. But that that's more of American fans. And I don't really know how other countries uh, view that. Yeah, it's not really a big deal. It doesn't come into effect much at all. You know, I can see maybe a, a Great Britain versus U.S. type thing where it could come into play. Uh, but, yeah, usually it's always going at least seven innings. And there's, you know, it's, there's even talk about Major League Baseball one day adopting that so they don't have position players pitching in, on blowouts. So I wouldn't be surprised to see MLB take that on, you know, just like the extra inning rule. Uh, Major League Baseball stole that idea from the international tournament. You know, what's any, interesting? Any other, about this, okay, I'm sorry. I was going to say what's interesting about this tournament, we have the new rule changes, of course, uh, in baseball. And the this tournament, you're going by the old rules. So these will be the last games ever played without a pitch clock. Yeah. And I, 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 going back to the managers, right, I, they, they can't like their pitchers pitching in this and getting used to having a no pitch clock and then having to go right back to training camp and start of MLB season, all of a sudden having a training camp again, it kind of throws off their mindset and it kind of throws off their training and pacing. So that's another thing to kind of keep watch out. And I'm sure the managers aren't happy about that. You mentioned some things that the MLB adopted from uh, international play. What, what other roles, if any, that you can tell us that are unique to international play that MLB uh, established? Yeah, just with the extra inning rule, that's a big one. A runner on second base. That's been international play, and they liked it. And uh, baseball watched that and said, you know what, Let, let's go with it. It does keep fans, uh, you know, in the stands through the, through the uh, end of the game. Whereas before, 10th inning rolls around, fans would say, you know what, uh, I've had enough baseball. I'm going home. That's a big thing. They do have uh, pitch limits. I want to say your first start is maybe 45 innings or any pitcher 45, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 45 pitches. And then I think it goes to 60 and then then 80, that sort of thing. But I don't see baseball ever adopting that. Yeah, I don't think fans in the MLB would like that as much. Uh, well, Bob, so you, you told me Japan is, is a front runner to make the finals. What what, what team does the Japan play in the finals? Uh, I'll go Dominican Republic, uh, okay. Japan and DR. 
Don't count USA out, but I, uh, I think on paper they're the two strongest teams. How far does USA go? Semifinals? Yeah, I think that, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely get to Miami, and I, and I think they will uh, make the semifinals. They just don't quite have the pitching. I mean, maybe those guys will step up, but on paper, uh, a few of those countries definitely have stronger staffs. And for all those looking to get into the betting of this uh, that might want to be itching for some betting action with the World Baseball Classic, I, th- I know you said Mexico might be a good good bargain uh, for, for their value. Yeah, I think it's a good sleeper just because they have a uh, you know uh, a couple top-notch starters there. You never know what can happen. I mean, particularly when you know, once you get to Miami and San Francisco, when you're talking about single elimination, you know, any, anything can happen then. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you expect Mexico and USA to make it out of pool C. And so, like 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 you just said, just like, um, you know, MLB playoffs, right? Once you make the playoffs, it's anything can happen, especially when it's single elimination. Well, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, once again, it's, it's going to be on the networks of Fox and uh, FS1. And I think it's going to be a really fun intro to the MLB season, get people thinking about baseball again, kind of a, of a nice buffer into uh, the summer here. Um, it's been awesome, Bob. We really appreciate your time. And we'll have to do this again sometime, okay? All right. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, Bob Nightingale. Thanks for coming on. Nightingale, a uh, USA uh, baseball, USA Today baseball columnist. Um, we're glad to have you on, and we got to do this again sometime. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. That was Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Now let's kick it back to us and do some off the map to finish off the show. All right, let's finish up the show. Justin, who was your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week, as I mentioned earlier, is James Harden. Looking like his old self in Houston, Harden put up over 30 points this week, snapping the Milwaukee Bucks 16-game winning streak with the 76ers. And uh, while Joel Embiid gets a lot of attention uh, for this week's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, putting up 39 points in 28 minutes, James Harden has definitely been looking like his old self for the past couple weeks in Philadelphia, definitely helping out the team for sure. Right, yeah. And Jared, uh, yeah, well, off real fast. Did you hear he might go to he might go back to Houston? There's, there's speculation he might go back to Houston. Yeah, and a lot of people are talking about it. You know, he might go back himself and finish his career up there. But you know, this is a you know he's got to really put his put his foot on the gas here with Philadelphia and. You know, we'll see if they can bring it. They can bring a championship, uh, you know, or even yeah. contend in the Eastern Conference. No, I agree though. He definitely is overshadowed by Embiid and another MVP season, another MVP run that he's having. Uh, I want to also, for my off the map, I want to bring in somebody that we also talked about earlier, which was Brendan Clark. Uh, Brendan Clark uh, being out for the year now with an Achilles tendon. Uh, no one's really talking about it because of the John Morant. Uh, drama that's going on and his suspension that he's currently having with the league. Uh, however, Clark is... I don't think it's even a question that he's the best bench player for the Grizzlies. Uh, he was a major factor, like I mentioned earlier, and in their first round uh, playoff win 
uh, or first round playoff. Yeah, first round playoff win last season, where he averaged 16 points, 16 and a half points per game, and nine rebounds, and which ultimately helped them beat the Timberwolves. And so he he obviously is a big playoff factor. And now that they don't have him going into the playoffs, I think that's going to be a major uh, disappointment for Memphis fans. And I could definitely see him. Uh, they're definitely going to feel his presence, not having his presence there, uh, really early on in the playoffs. Uh, like I mentioned. Um, as he did last year. Who is um so uh predictions? Let's finish the show up. Predictions. I predict Xavier is going to win the Big East tournament. I think they have they are the top seed uh in the tournament, and I believe Xavier uh could pull it off here. They've been a they've been a contender in in this uh March Madness bracket for the past few years, and I believe that they can take the Big East tournament. I'm going to go with the Iowa State Cyclones uh, winning the Big 12 tournament. Uh, we're in uh, you know, bat, uh, March Madness season almost, so only right that we keep our predictions, uh, college basketball. Uh, just going into the Big 12 tournament, they took down Baylor in the season final. Um, they are one of the best defenses in the entire league. Uh, currently at uh, 650 odds to win the Big 12 tournament. Uh they just won today, so they'll be moving on to the quarterfinals here this weekend. Uh, I definitely think they have a chance to, to, you know, surprise a team like Kansas or Texas and take home that Big 12 tournament. They need to be a little bit more aggressive going to the basket and getting on the line more. Uh, they they had the fewest free throw attempts in the Big 12 and made the lowest percentage of free, throw, uh, free throws when they even made the line. So if they can be a little bit more aggressive, get their free throw attempts up and then work on those free throws uh, and, may, and have more of those uh, just made free throws a game, that would be a major factor for a team, like I said, that already has one of the best defenses. And the coaching staff already knows this, and I think that they're going to try to be doing this uh, going into the tournament. Uh, currently, I think a sixth seed uh, in the bracketology uh, if the tournament started today. Uh, so, you know, kind of, you know, good, good spot could be better, and we'll see what happens if they can bring it up at all by winning the Big 12 tournament. Uh, all right. Well, this is the show. Like I said, uh, next week, Brian Trable from uh, Houston will be on talking uh, some March, more March Madness with us, getting us ready for the NCAA tournament. And um, we'll see you all then. All right. All right. All right. Sounds good.